I think, I mean, Claire often says herself that she's just someone who works in F1. You know, it's not about yeah. being a woman in, in, in Formula One. However, as an organization, and for me personally, you know, we, we care about getting young women into engineering and, and giving them role models and showing them that, that they can be the engineer in the garage, they can be sitting on the pit wall, they can be the person who uh, is working in the tunnel, you know, whatever that role is, if, if that's what they're passionate about. Our guest today is Graham Hackland, the CIO at Williams F1, and he's going to be talking all about the development of their cars and the use of data, but also inclusion, because he's one of the keynote speakers at the We Are The City conference on the 26th of June. This is Tech Talks, your twice-weekly tech podcast, where we feature interviews from leaders across the industry. Joining me on the podcast today, Sonia Barlow, uh, speaker, uh, advocate, podcast host uh lkkg and uh i can't remember that all of the names of the podcasts that you're on actually to be perfectly honest now and founder of like-minded females how are you i'm very well thank you so much for having me yeah that's I like the best introduction of- ever right <laughs> yeah i kind of went a little bit podcast crazy crazy during this time uh the one that you were on that you were guest number one for was called strategically winging it yes. by the way Yes, <laughs> I well spotted that. I was like, hang on a minute, which which one was that again? But it's okay because it plays exactly to its title and to uh, kind of the, the aura of, of the podcast. So, you know, it's completely... Which is being a little bit unscripted at times, right? Yeah, completely. Exactly. In life and yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't mention also Keen Runner, which is what you just got back from this morning. Or, or at least keen, new Keen Runner during lockdown. Yeah, I'm really trying. I know that I um, sometimes pester you. I'm like, how do you increase your your running speed and how do you do a 5K as if you, you are kind of Mr. Runner? But I guess in my life, you are Mr. Runner. <laughs> so I don't really have a lot of other people that run. I, I started this kind of um, pandemic and we went into lockdown thinking I want to challenge myself. And everybody was running. And I mean, everybody kind of on social media and Instagram, not people I actually knew. And I was yeah. like, oh, that's fun. And that looks cool. Tried it once, really hurt my knees and I couldn't do more than two minutes. But because lockdown made me feel this kind of insecurity and and um, uncertainty, I think challenging myself was one way for me to just drown myself in something new. And so yeah. today I can do like 25 minutes without stopping. And I'm, I'm super chuffed. I, I try and do that three times a week now. The knees thing, by the way. And if yeah. anyone anyone listening is interested, you need to make sure you've got the right running shoes on. You can very quickly check this at home, but you either, yeah. I think it's supranate or supinate or overpronate, or you have neutral knees, basically, or joints. And shoes are designed to basically straighten up your ankles. So I run funny, so I have to have support shoes, which is very common. But okay. there's a lot of people going out there who are new to running, probably just buying trainers without really realizing that you, you need to get trainers that are right for you. Sorry, that's super geeky, but at no, the same yeah. time, useful information. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a tech show, tech data. All of all of the data has probably got you to this place of you knowing that. Um, you're like Strada Champ at this point anyway, aren't you? <laughs> but not as much as today's guest. Because I don't know if if you picked up on it, but at the end he mentioned about running. So Graham, CIO at Williams F1, he is a serious runner. He's done some serious ultra marathons, and he runs he runs about fifty miles a week. That's that's a lot of miles. I, what I picked up on my my favorite thing was he goes, I've now um, converted my commuting commuting into running. 
And I'm thinking I can just about get out of bed and you're doing two hours of extra running a day. Uh, but to, to be honest, it's really motivational for me as someone who's a new runner. I, you know, you have to remember that nobody was born a runner. So it yep. is all practice and it's all form. So it's quite exciting to see and hear people's journeys to be like, actually, one day we started running, we couldn't. And now we're doing X marathon, Y race, or, or we can do, um, you know, Z miles a week. And it gives me something to to strive towards. Uh, I know you mentioned when we were talking before, um, couch, uh, couch potato, so couch potato 5K, I use the night run app. And so this month I'm challenging myself to, I think it's run like 31 miles in the month, which yeah. for me is quite a lot considering oh, yeah, yeah. I can just about do one. That's good. That's good. Right. Well, look, uh, as we said, there's a bit of a natural link from 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 running mm. our chat into uh, today's interview. So we'll hand over to Graham, uh, who is the CIO at Williams F1, and myself and Sonia will come back with some commentary on it afterwards. On today's show, I'm joined by Graham Hackland from Williams F1. Graham, you're CIO at Williams F1, correct? Yes, I am. Hi, David. How are you? Very good, thank you. Well, considering how crazy the world's gone, uh, yes. very good. I'm back uh, in the factory today, only the third time in the last 80 days or so, um, as we're starting to get ready for the first race, which is is only a few weeks away now. I've been watching the trucks being packed and everything being getting ready. So yeah, it's uh, it's pretty exciting to be back. I mean, I, I imagine, and forgive me if I'm wrong, but I saw in the paper uh, when I woke up this morning that Lewis Hamilton had been back out on the track for the first time in 80 days or something, but he was having to race in 2019's car because they couldn't, they weren't allowed, I'm not sure around the regulations, but they weren't allowed to put the new car on the road yet. So I imagine that technology actually in your role and, and, and the use of data has become even more important because of the situation that we found ourselves in right now, because I suppose teams haven't been able to get the usual amount of testing in in the new season's cars that like they might might have liked to have done. So it's even worse than that, I think, for Formula right. One teams, in that we went into a, a, a kind of mandatory uh, shutdown period. So we couldn't do any development uh, of our Formula One car at all. Um, at the same time, the team principals were all negotiating new regulations for this year, for next year, for the year after. So it's been quite a it's been quite a crazy time. And yes, you're not you're not allowed to. Um, test or, or run your current season's car so it's always a, a, a couple of years old if you do go out uh, they were practicing their procedures and, and how they're going to handle uh, a race in in the current uh, social distancing uh, climate but uh, yeah it mo most teams will not have run their car this year since uh, the test in february <laughs> so look you've you've been in f1 since uh, 1997 right yeah, that's right. I, I joined Benetton. At that time, a relatively small team. Got to know everybody's name. <laughs> I think it was about 80 people when I joined. Uh, the flop, a floppy disk was all you needed to get the data from both cars. Right. Uh, so, you know, it, and that was still, you know, at the forefront of, of technology, even at that time, although it's not a huge amount of data. Uh, wind tunnels, the data that we generated in wind tunnels back then was still huge. And that's probably where we generate most of our data even now. But now we've got, you know, driver simulators and, and video technology is, is, you know, is really grown in Formula One and, and, and generates a lot of data. So, yeah, I spend a lot of my time worrying about the data and where it is and who can get to it. But I suppose in actual fact, the, the, the way that technology is increasingly being used is, is probably not all that different to aerospace or other large engineering 
organizations. Yeah, aerospace is a is a very good parallel actually. Uh, the, the the technology they use, uh, the materials they use to you know to build to build their craft is the same as ours. It's just at the end of the runway we go around a corner, they take off. Because <laughs> I, I suppose there's that element, isn't there? You, you know, when when you're a, a leader within an organization, it's really useful to talk to other leaders, except there's only a very small number of you. And I suppose there is, for obvious reasons, a certain degree of, well, we can't say too much because we're all in competition. So yeah, the, the F1, yeah. yeah, you're right. I mean, the F1 CIOs, we don't, we don't get together too often. We don't, we, we, <laughs> I think it's more collaborative now than it ever was, but actually I'm on a sporting CIO round table. That's extremely useful. And that's got uh, leaders from football, rugby, tennis, or you know, all, all sorts of sports, cricket. Um, and, and that's really useful because a lot of our experiences are the same, just maybe the technology is different, but yeah, a lot of the challenges around data and, and, uh, and risk and so on is, is the same. So look, you've been involved since 1997. Um, is there a period where there's been change that's that's really accelerated with regards to tech over that time, or has it been a, a steady, you know, march where tech and data has become more and more prevalent? I think every four to five years, the regulator makes big changes to the regulations, which was due to happen uh, again in 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 twenty one, which has now been pushed to twenty twenty two. So that's around the car technology and. And sometimes they bring in limitations to the amount of time you can run a wind tunnel or how much compute power you're allowed to use for computational fluid dynamics, which we use as kind of our virtual wind tunnel. So that you've got the regulator who who will step in if they feel the cars are getting too quick or or there's a generational change in, in the car technology. But otherwise, we're left to our own devices and we're, and we're tracking new technology in the same way every other organization is. So when... I don't know what, 10 years ago, CIO, CIO started talking about the doubling of data in the organizations. We went through that that same thing. But I would, I would imagine, and it would be interesting to just get your perspective, that the CIO role that you hold is quite different to the CIO role that a leader in an enterprise organization might hold. I think there are there are a lot of differences, but actually in, in my role, I, I'm lucky enough that I attend a lot of CIO round tables and I get to talk to a lot of CIOs. There are far more things we have in common that are different. My, my role includes some aspects of commercial and marketing, working with our sponsors and partners, and especially the tech partners who are, are providing technology that, that, that are helping Williams uh, either to secure our infrastructure or, or uh, protect our data or uh, who are helping us with some of the infrastructure that we run and the cloud services. So that can be different to some of the CIOs I talk to. But otherwise, it's IT's IT, right? <laughs> the end product's more interesting, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you're interested in it, then then definitely, I suppose. Um, how large is the team that you're that you're leading then as CIO at Williams? So we've got uh, 25 people in IT uh, at yeah. Williams in an organisation of about 600 people. Uh, so yeah, and that that's quite reflective of, of of a lot of the teams and the size of their of their IT function. Now, the leader of, of Williams, if anyone who's, who's watched Tried to Survive will know, is Claire Williams. Um, having a female at the head of the organization, has that helped um, address the, the kind of the gender balance that, or the imbalance that we see in the industry? I, I kind of, if I look at the figures that, that we track year on year, it tends to be stuck at around 12 to 15% participation in tech of women. Have you seen that improve with having someone that's a real kind of leader at the top of the organization that people can look to? I think I mean Claire often says herself that she's just 
someone who works in F1. You know, it's, it's not yeah. about being a woman in, in in Formula One. However, as an organization, and for me personally, you know, we we care about getting young women into engineering and and giving them role models and showing them that that they can be the engineer in the garage, they can be sitting on the pit wall, they can be the person who uh, is working in the tunnel. You know, whatever that role is, if if that's what they're passionate about. And in fact, we take about a thousand young people through our our organization every year. Not this year <laughs> because of uh, because of the pandemic, but usually they'll come through some will have a day with us some will spend a week or or, or the whole of their summer holiday um and they'll they'll have they'll have a taste of all the different departments you know they can they can go and work in the tunnel they can go and work in the composites department you know making carbon fiber my, my daughter did this a, a few years ago when she was at school and she she did the tunnel she she made some things in, out of out of carbon fiber I remember driving her home one day with a big plaster on her hand because she'd cut her fingers. She had a great <laughs> week. But the thing that she loved the most, actually, was the day she spent in procurement. And, and so I'd asked her on the Friday, what was your best day? And I was surprised by that because, you know, she was into engineering. I thought she was going to say the tunnel. Or, and she said I, I she loved being in procurement because that day she had bought all the carbon fiber that was going to be used on the car in the Canadian Grand Prix that year. And she said, when I watch the Canadian Grand Prix with you, I'm going to know that I bought the carbon fiber on the car. And and that opened my eyes again to the fact that it's not just those what are seen as more glamorous jobs as an engineer. There are roles for everyone in Formula mm-hmm. One. You know, to to build, design, test, and go racing with a Formula One car requires a wide range of skills. And uh, and yeah, and and so we we do put a lot of time and effort into making sure that there are opportunities for young girls in schools. We send some of our STEM ambassadors into schools uh, to go and encourage young girls because at that age is often when they either decide that engineering is not for them or they just don't see those role models. Yeah, I mean, and that's an interesting point because whilst I absolutely agree with your point that, you know, Claire Williams, effectively, she is just a person in F1. Because she is in the minority and it's a minority group that everyone is keen to see um, uh, more kind of participation in, I, I suppose she can't avoid the fact that people will probably label her as a bit of a uh, uh, of a kind of a, a leader to look to as a, as an example. Hey, look, here's an opportunity for you. This industry is 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 uh, inclusive, and it's interesting there that you talk about STEM ambassadors going into school. I mean, you're you're in technology. You alluded there to the fact that you've got you've got two daughters, right? Yeah, um, yeah, that's right. Do, do, do you see them kind of encouraged to go down STEM routes at school if that was open to them? Or, or was that something that you really had to kind of try and evangelize at home? So I definitely didn't push them. So I didn't I didn't evangelize it. So my oldest daughter uh, was into engineering and she she went down the, you know, the triple science and the computer science uh, route at school. Uh, she was the only girl in a class of 30. And eventually she dropped out of the subjects because yeah I, I don't know it just it didn't seem right for her eventually uh, right. my youngest uh, has always told me she hates math so <laughs> she was, <laughs> so engineering was not going to and 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 she's uh, she's now at university uh, doing sociology so that that's her thing and 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 there's a place for for everyone in those things so yeah i certainly didn't push them but i, I think role models you know we we had uh, and and we still have you know, female drivers on our books uh, my girls were really inspired by that. They got to meet Susie Wolf at one of the races uh, soon after I joined Williams uh, in 2014, and um, they came. and They still talk about that. They still talk about the fact that they met Susie and uh, and, and got to see her on on one of the days that she was driving on the Friday that she was driving the car. So uh, yeah, I think I think role models and and having um, you know women engineers and STEM ambassadors that they can look up to makes a big difference. 
So obviously your job does have some differences given the uh, the industry that you're involved in. What stuff do you really love? I mean, what what is 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 totally different to someone else's job, possibly kind of a CIO in a law firm that is just cool about it, other than if you love motor racing and there's the cars, right? Because you are dealing with sponsors and all sorts of different kind of aspects to the job. Yeah, and you know, I'm I'm not a petrohead. I think people assume that if you work in Formula One, you know everything about cars, and and I'm not. I've, I've, I enjoy sport, and and I liked Formula One. Started following Nigel Mansell many many years ago when he was racing for Williams, and and so I like it was more sport that I was into than than cars actually, <laughs> which is probably embarrassing to admit. But that that you know that's how that's how I got into it. And when I came into Formula One, I thought I would do it for a couple of years. I'd moved from South Africa to England, only been over for a few years, and I thought this will look great on my CV. Because I never yeah. thought that someone like me would work in Formula One. So I was like, this will this will look good on the CV, and I'll go get a proper job. I remember saying those exact words to my wife, um, and I just loved it. I love being part of a team, and you know whether you win or you lose. And and I've only had two winning seasons in the, in all those years that I've been in Formula One. Um, you know, you're all in it together. It feels like a proper team. Lots of companies talk about team. You know, we're a team, but they're not. They're a company trying to make profits for shareholders or we're not. We we are we are a team. We are all in this together. Every single person who works for Williams has a role to play in the performance of our car, getting the car to the track uh, and, and going racing. And we all know that. And we know what part we play. And and that's the difference, I think, to to any normal organization. Look, you mentioned there about the team aspect and, and culture is so important to so many organizations. You are back in the office. Um, people are desperate to get back into to physical environments because they think it will reinforce that team environment. Do you think that lockdown has been to the detriment of the team dynamic or had you found ways to keep it going in lockdown? And how has returning to the office been? It's it's actually quite a tricky question to answer. I think the culture in Formula One has always been: you go to the site, you you know. There's not been much in the way of homeworking uh, over the years that I've been in. Until recently, when I came to Williams, one of the things that that Claire and and the leadership team asked for was, uh, as part of the digital transformation that that, that they brought me in to to help with, was around collaboration tools and mobility. They wanted any engineer to be able to access any relevant piece of data, no matter where they were in the world. And at the time, they were, you know, they were thinking about while they're traveling between you know, races or they're you know, going to the airport or they're going to a hotel, getting you know, access to data and systems rather than necessarily working from home. But, so I think we were, we were in a really good position uh, when just a few months ago because we had built uh, a capability that allowed people to work from anywhere securely. But it was only there for you know 70, 80, 90 people at, at concurrently at a time because that's all we, we needed. So we were able to scale up fairly quickly so that we could get all 600 people working remotely from site. And I think it's it's a difficult one to answer because I think for some people, they want to come to the office. I've got some people in my group who, who want to be here. Uh, they live alone or... Or they don't. They live with a, a noisy family, um, and they and they want to come in and they 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 want to be at, at in the office uh, at their desk. And I've got others who are quite happy with the mix uh, of life that that working from home brings them. They can be just as effective, if not more effective. I personally have two hours less commuting uh, when when I work from home, and I I've have not worked from home in, in all my time in F1. I've always been at, at the factory, so I've converted those two hours into running time. So I've got I've been running a whole load uh, in in all through the lockdown. So yeah, I think I think it's different for some people. They they really would like. 
to come back to site and, and work. For some roles, they have to, right? So we have people operating machines who are, who are making parts for the car. They've got to be on site, obviously. But for a designer, sometimes, you know, in their creative process for a designer, they, they want to bounce off each other. And they're finding that difficult over some of the digital tools. Whereas if they were in you know, closer proximity in the office, um, they feel that they'd be able to be more creative. So it's different, I think, for different roles, for different people. Um, and I think Formula One will change and we will be able to accommodate the, the different ways of working in the future. So look, um, one of the reasons that I, I was keen to talk to you is that uh, you are speaking at the, the We Are The City conference, which is on the 26th of June. Um, what are you going to be speaking about at the conference, just if anyone's interested? So yeah, just you know, some of the things that you and I are talking about today, what it's like uh, in, in Formula One, what it was like uh, sending 600 people home uh, at the beginning of a, of a pandemic, you know, uh, caring for them. Because uh, uh, although Formula One is about that car that goes around the track, actually, the most important asset that we have, and that I probably every organization has is our people um mm. data second i always say that and, and then and 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 the data is helping to create you know the cars but but people are our most important uh, asset as an organization and so keeping in touch with them and making sure that they were okay during this and and that it was okay that you know if if we'd asked you to do something and you couldn't because you know, family or, or something else got in the way then it was okay um so yeah we're going to be talking through some of those things and and what it's like to start bringing people back now um yeah. so part of you know why i'm here as a member of the exco i'm uh, i'm the nominated uh, exco member every thursday to just you know look around the site make sure that we we've put the right measures in place that people are safe uh, feel safe and, and healthy uh, and, and and can do their jobs well look, i mean i'm insanely jealous of of a number of aspects Funnily enough, probably mainly the running. The fact that you're off to Austria <laughs> in a few weeks, you'll have some lovely running <laughs> if you get yeah. some time whilst you're there. Sadly, um, I'm not. I'm not personally going to the race. We've had to limit the number of people that we're sending to the race, so uh, they don't need me. They don't need the CIO at the track. I can do whatever I need to do from home. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, look. Thank you for your time, and good luck for that first race weekend. Ah, oh, brilliant. Thanks, David. Right. I don't know what you want to pick up on from. Um, the interview. There's a couple. I suppose there's a couple of points that that I'd be keen to to pick apart. Um, the role of Claire Williams, um, the a thousand young people being taken into the factory. Obviously, sadly, not this year, and yeah. the role of parents. I suppose so. All around that kind of pipeline and advocate um, issue, and of and course that. Yeah. Sorry, go on. No, that that's it. The Claire Williams definitely. I really wanted to pick apart his um, daughters. Yeah. And how he has a parent influences the role that they go into or, or, or chooses not to exactly or doesn't and and kind of the the role of uh, parental figures in making those decisions especially because he said his daughter is really keen in maths and computer science and then just just kind of dropped out but before that he mentioned a key point which was he she was the only girl in the class yeah let's start with that because because that obviously is not something that i'm ever going to have any kind of experience of but when you were going through school were there subjects that you kind of were like oh i might be interested in that and then your friends just didn't go for it and therefore you didn't? I I was a maths geek and a chem geek at sixth form. So I was a maths geek. I could maths and further maths. I wanted to go into something maths based at university, but because nobody else else was doing it around me and I didn't see anyone like me, I took business. So I'm living proof of that stuff. If more of your friends had done it, do you think you would have been more inclined to? I don't think it was about my friends because I didn't really uh, have any friends um, at sixth form. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole different story. Uh, <laughs> But it was, I shouldn't laugh at that. That's that's incredibly insensitive of me. I apologise, Sonia. It's okay. It's, I laugh about it. 
I look at where they are now where I am I'm like it's completely fine um it was more along the lines of I didn't see myself represented in media or I didn't see myself represented in the jobs that I could be and I don't know about kind of his kids for example but I am the first generation of my family to go to university mm-hmm. um and I come from a South Asian background so there was a lot of stigmas that I had to break down even to get to university of my choice let alone the courses that I wanted to do and it's never that my parents stopped me it's the opposite it's my parents weren't educated enough in themselves to influence my decisions and so So now I have a younger cousin who's um 14 and three months ago she rang me up and she's like what do I do for my GCSEs and I'm like what do you want to do she's like well there's there's computer science and there's statistics to be honest I can do both um, and I go, what do you want to do? What do you want to be when you grow up? She goes, well, I was thinking like a zoologist. I was like, I don't even know what that means, but that's fine. Um, or, or she was like something really data and maths heavy. And she was like, I don't care if girls don't go into it. She's like, I see you doing what you're doing. And I listened to your TED talk. And I've learned more about myself from my TED talk than I have from school. So I'm ready to do computer science. I just need to know which one I'll be better at and which one I, I really take into the future. So that's changed. Yeah. And look, that, that probably leads into that point around, you know, mm-hmm. them showing a thousand young people around the, the factory every year. And if we step away from diversity and inclusion for a second and just talk about giving, well, it's diversity and inclusion, but more more broadly, it's just giving kids the opportunity to see what's possible. Because yeah. without that opportunity to go into the factory and see what a career in F1 might be like, many of them might write off or not even write off, sorry, many of them might not never know that those opportunities are available and how yeah. they get there. Yeah, um, accessibility is the most important thing. When I was at secondary school, I went to the worst secondary school in the borough. That's not me making that up. That's the data mm. that showed that it was the worst school in the borough. And in year nine, I was picked as, out of 10 kids, somebody who had the potential to go to university, but whose parents hadn't. And I got shown around three universities um, and I, I didn't even know that world existed. And I was like, wow, I didn't even know that that could be me or I could do that. Then the yeah. same when you do internships. I remember at university, I worked for House of Fraser and Westfields. But then I had a one week internship at the head office. And you forget that these stores have head offices, just like you forget that F1 has a head office somewhere where all the mm. stuff actually happens. So you're completely right. It's it's not necessarily diversity in some sense, but it's that inclusive piece of if we're able to showcase to these kids, even if it's one or even if it's a thousand, even if it's tens of thousands that this exists, maybe that that will be an option for them at some point in their life. And they will think, you know, I can do this or I can attempt to do this. Whereas when you're growing up and you see race cars on, on the TV, all you're thinking is, right, I can either be the driver or the mechanic that's fixing the car. That's the only two mm. two options that are there. Well, Graham's daughter. Yeah. You know, what, what role did she enjoy most? Uh, and she enjoyed procurement, of mm-hmm. all things, because she could physically see that she'd done something that she could then relate to on the television. Yeah. And that would not be possible unless you you had, I suppose, that accessibility bridge into something that, that gave you that insight. Um, look, on the point about Claire Williams, uh, the one thing that I've tried over the years with the podcast is whenever we have a female leader on the show, not not necessarily to talk to them about inclusion and diversity and just let them be a leader regardless of who they are and 
talk about the fact that they're good at what they do. And so I totally get the point that Claire Williams says, I'm just someone in F1. And I think that's an important message. But at the same time, when you've only got 11 teams, and to the best of my knowledge, she is the only female principal, um, you can't stop being a role model, right? For those reasons. And I, I, but I absolutely love the point where you just said and echo, I'm just a leader um, because we've, we've gotten to this point in our lives. And I think, you know, technology, information, Twitter plays a lot in this is you are not just a leader, but you are a white leader. You're a man, you are intersectional, you are black, you are brown, you are young, you are old. There's so many labels that we're now having to deal with. And of course, intersectionality itself is an amazing perspective. But rightfully and before that, you just want to be acknowledged for the hard work that you've uh, kind of put into something um, and where you are from a from a perspective of I've tried really hard throughout my life and I've, I've gained this status or this reputation and yeah. I, I've got it through merit. So I understand that point. And she is just a leader. But then on the, on the contrary, to see a, a female leader, regardless of the intersectionality or, or the race or the ethnicity at this point, just to see a, a woman leading something which is predominantly so male uh, orientated and and associated with kind of that that culture um of you know race cars and and drivers are male and they're of a certain stereotype it's it's beautiful because it again it makes you think well if she can do it then I can do it yeah and i suppose to to graham's point as well you're kind of touching on the point there that you know you see race cars and you you imagine certain a certain type of person or certain mm-hmm. interests. He wasn't even into racing. Yeah, you know. So there, 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 there's this amazing industry with with lots of excitement around it and lots of interest. You know, and I love the fact that he talks about you know aerospace and F1. Essentially, yeah. the only difference being that in aerospace they take off, and in F1 they turn corners. But here's an interesting, exciting uh, industry that you can be part of without the need to actually be a petrol head. Uh, my favorite line that he uses um that I, I i just think reflects his like humanness so much is i said to my wife that this would just be a cool cool experience to live in london uh, to live in england sorry and it'll look good on my cv mm. i was like that's such a, a normal human thing to just think about and say actually it'll look really good on my cv if i did this not i want to be with the race cars and i'll be out there and i want the glam or the glitz it's it will look good on my CV to, to be associated with something like this. I'm going to be CIO. It's, you know, an IT functions and IT function everywhere. Mm. And it just brings such a, a kind of a, a normal person's touch to it, which, which I think is really key. Like you said, when you're trying to get into these different avenues um, and without the glitz and the glamour, just to say, you know what, you, you don't have to have the background knowledge. You just have to have transferable skills and, and a passion for what you do. Absolutely um no advert break no extra news today just a plug for the conference that we're both involved in and and a reason why sonia's on the show uh and graham is our guest uh graham is a keynote speaker at the we are the city tech conference on the 26th of june sonia you are also going to be there as a host and a moderator Mm -hmm. uh as will i um so this week we are kind of giving over the show to plug that conference and to tell people about it because um, well, there's a lot going on in the world right now, but inclusion and diversity within the tech industry is not something that should slip off the agenda. And I, I think 
in the in the circumstances, I don't know what your thoughts on this are, Sonia, but in in the circumstances that we're in, it's going to be really difficult for organisations to make sure that they are as inclusive as they could be, because right now we're getting used to new technology rather than necessarily making sure that it's wonderfully inclusive. Um, and I think I think with the way the world's rapidly changed, making sure that those messages are echoed and people are thinking about how to remain inclusive uh, right now is really important, right? Yeah, most definitely. The the world is changing. In my perspective, it's changing for the better. The fact that we can have a global conference with speakers from all over the world addressing really um, kind of diverse topics and and kind of doing it from the comfort of their home, I think is revolutionary. And I definitely think that companies need to need to consider the impact that that's having on remote working, on flexibility, on on knowledge sharing. Yes, that the world right now is is going through its own change, its own transformation. And hopefully a lot of these topics will be covered in this conference, which I'm sure they will be. And most importantly, we'll leave with real actionable insight as to what we as um, kind of colleagues, as, as friends, as community members can start doing to create inclusive environments and to really acknowledge and embrace everyone's diversity. Yeah. yeah. Well, look... Um- at the time of recording, we are 10 days, 21 hours, 28 minutes and 31 seconds away from the start of the conference. Uh, by the time this goes out, that'll be nine days, 20 odd hours, depending on when you're listening to this. Um, but I'll make sure that there is a link to the conference in the show notes. So if you're listening, scroll down, have a look, or as well on our social feeds, we will make sure that there are links through to the conference. Uh, so do get involved. There are over a thousand people who are going to be attending 50 plus speakers across four stages and in excess of 30 topics of conversation. So lots to get stuck into. Um, and also we we actually have a competition with We Are The City starting today, Monday until Thursday that someone can win a ticket. Oh, I didn't know that. Right, go on. So on our LinkedIn, we'll be sharing it from... We're talking about like-minded females, right? Yeah, exactly. So through the LMF Network, we have a competition going on LinkedIn where... Um, you can win a ticket to the conference. So we'll kind of ask a question, something really fun and random, and the best answer gets the ticket. Nice. Cool. Right, okay. Then, uh, yeah, have a look on LMF Network. Um, Sonia, thanks for joining me. You're joining me again for Friday's episode when we've got another of the speakers from the conference joining the show. So as I said, you know, completely giving over to to this subject. Hopefully people uh, respond and sign up to the conference as a consequence. But thanks for joining me today and don't enjoy the sunshine thank you yeah i'm i'm actually going to take half day off and just go and sit outside and read all the books that i've ordered um because alongside running i think i want to become a book junkie so <laughs> yes no one, no one can see that i'm pointing to the books behind me right now obviously because this is a podcast but there we go i'm just following your lead i'm like what is david doing Right, that's what I need to do as well. (laughs) I'm not reading as much as I should at the minute, but there we go. Right, Uh, look, everyone, have a lovely Tuesday. We'll be back on Friday.